You know, we're living in a society. We're supposed to act in a civilized way. Does anyone ever display the slightest sensitivity over the problems of a fellow individual? No, no. A resounding no. Hey, sorry I took so long. Oh, that's okay, really. Don't worry. <laughs> From the Emerald City of Seattle, it's the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Your home for pop culture, Transformers, independent artists, interviews, Transformers, and stuff and things. Also sometimes Transformers. And now, here he is, the man who cracked corn and everybody cared, Mike Seibert. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Uh, Thank you and welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, call the Mike Seibert Radio voicemail hotline, 231-224-MIKE. That's 231-224-6453. And write into the mailbag, Radio at gmail.com. And on this week's show, Killing Spree returns, and we're discussing the most talked about movie of the year, Joker. Full spoilers, no warnings will be given. Uh, We're also going to briefly touch on Rambo Last Blood and stick around because after the show, I'm going to give a preview of my next few episodes, including exciting interviews with the writer of a new series of sci-fi graphic novels from Dark Horse Comics. And one of my favorite artists of the Transformers is launching his first creator-owned project through IDW Comics. All of that coming up right now on Mike's. Cyber Radio. <laughs> it's something funny. Stay out, freak. I finally got around to seeing the Joker, um, so I thought, uh, and I know Killing Spree, you've got uh, some thoughts on uh, Joker as well, so I thought we'd spend a little bit of time kind of uh, catching up on that. I know I'm a little bit behind in terms of kind of like the... Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll call it conversation in the uh, greater pop culture space, well, but I figured... Joker's still making news, so I mean, it's... That's true. That's true. And, you know, and it was kind of interesting because, like, I, I looked at a calendar and realized that, wait a minute, that's only been out for like a month and a half, but it feels like it's like half a year or something. It's it's just a just a very strange feeling um, uh, that I had uh, kind of trying to catch up, uh, taking care of some stuff. Um, but uh, I figured we would start with a movie that um, that I haven't seen, but you saw and you were really excited about. And I figured as uh, as the guest, we'd uh, kind of let you have a dealer's choice there. And you okay. want you wanted to talk about the Rambo. I'll be really quick about it. That's all but, good. But it's uh, I was surprised that. How good it was. Okay. Because I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, Rambo 4, the way it ended, it seemed like everything's done. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's no more Rambo stories to tell. So I, when uh, Last Blood was announced, I was like, oh, this, this could go one of two ways. And the way Hollywood is, it's probably going to be the bad one. Okay. Where it's just a heartless cash grab. And it's like totally pointless. But this actually was a pretty darn good story. 
Okay. And uh, it's actually, ba- uh, I guess the story treatment was in development almost immediately after uh, 4 was finished. Oh, get out of here. I did yeah, not know that. Yeah, because the whole Rambo versus the Mexican cartel idea, mm-hmm. that's been around. That idea has been around for years. This isn't some brand new idea that the writers came up with. Well, and that was something I wanted to ask you about uh, because it to me it kind of feels like, for lack of a better term, kind of of the times. You know, it's like it's like Rambo versus the the Mexican cartels. That seems kind of timely with what's kind of going on in the news and, you know, kind of the, uh, I I guess, fear of what's on the other side of the border, uh, for lack of a better word. But it just after what happened recently, I don't blame you can understand where that fear came from. Yeah, you ain't wrong about that. Um, So, yeah, so it, it was. I okay. so let me ask you this. So are are you a fan of the Rambo franchise? More or less, uh, I like Stallone or uh, Schwarzenegger movies more than I like Stallone. Okay, you see, and that's where I was kind of going with that because everybody kind of has their favorite, and I wasn't sure if we had had that conversation of what what so, the preference was. It, generally speaking, I prefer Schwarzenegger flicks, but Ram- I, I do like the Rambo series. Like I have all except for Last Blood, obviously. Okay, gotcha. Now, so going into to Last Blood, um, what what did you expect? Well, to be honest, I completely forgot it was coming out this year. <laughs> when, when we did our, uh, I guess, 2019 movie preview, sure. Like I mentioned, all the movies I wanted to see were coming out in like within a month of each other. Uh-huh. Uh, John Wick three, Endgame, and King of the Monsters. Uh huh. And it's like, oh, that's right, Last Blood's coming out in September. Mm-hmm. And then uh, trailer started dropping. It's like, oh, that's right, Last Blood's coming. Yeah. And it reminds me of. Uh, Expendables, the first one, in a way of like, it's a a callback to action movies that just don't get made anymore. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and, and so I haven't seen it, and um, I I probably won't. I mean, unless I come across it somewhere. I, I would say if well, if you don't plan on going out of your way to see it, and it pops up on TV or whatever, yeah. I'd say give it the college try. Fair enough. Um, and, and the reason for that is just, I'm just not a Rambo guy. Right. You know, it's like we, we were talking on the walk up here, um, that, you know, I don't, I don't specifically remember if I've actually seen Rambo, uh, the, the fourth one all the way through. I just, the, the, the vaguest memories I have is that like, you know, it's a lot of CG squibs and so it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of CG blood and it seemed like what they did. They couldn't af- what they couldn't afford in actual squibs. They made up for in chunks, because <laughs> it's just I just remember it being a uh, uh, very graphically violent in like almost like a cartoony oh, kind of way. Oh yeah, when, Ram- when Rambo uses the uh, that mounted machine gun on the back of the truck and yeah. makes mincemeat out of the drivers, like yeah, that's exactly what would happen if you shot a dude with a gun of that caliber. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's like literally like, you know, spaghettios being slapped against like, yeah. you know, like the, the guard on the gun. I remember that. Um, but I, I don't I don't really recall much else. So my my thing with uh, with Rambo Last Blood, I was actually kind of looking forward to it because it seemed like between like the poster art, even the lettering in the poster and maybe even like the, the first trailer or so it. It felt to me like they were going the Logan route, you know, even even with the title. It's actually not that far off. 
Well, and and again, so, so you could correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't actually seen the movie. Is that like you know uh, Rambo sees the end of this movie? And that it kind of still leaves that door creaked open a bit for further it, adventures. It does leave it open, but it also leaves open the uh, theory that maybe Rambo actually bled out. Oh, so like a Shane kind of thing. Well, because interesting. Well, so, well, since you're not really in the mo- out of the way, you see, I'll just say, I'll say, at the very yeah, end of fine. the movie, it's fine. There's kind of like a little montage of Rambo's life throughout the movies. Yeah. And then you see him riding off on the sunset on a horse. But mm-hmm. the, the way the filter is, it's totally different than the rest of the movie. Mm. So it leads me to believe that you could either interpret it as he's riding off to the sunset for more adventures or he died. Okay. Um, do you have a preference just in terms of um, your interpretation? I I kind of prefer that he goes the dead route because yeah. like with last or uh, Rambo Four, it ended in a good way where yeah. to end the series. Like, same with this movie, it's like you could leave it there. It's you got something good. Don't don't ruin it. Don't make it worse. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So before uh, before we move on, I I wanna um, I I wanna be provocative and shake the cage a little bit. What? As a fan of this movie and this franchise, and uh, what would you say to some of our squishier friends that say that this is basically just kind of like a a right wing murder fantasy where it's you know it's a it's a white dude exerting his will? I would over- ask. I would ask <laughs> why you you hypocritical cunts were praising John Wick three, which is he killed John killed way more people in that movie than uh-huh. Rambo ever did. Yet that movie got praised to hell and back not by the critics, no less. Yeah, that's true. But um, I do want to say a, a comparison I've seen is that this is the Taken of Rambo. I would say yeah, it's like Taken except okay. better or done better. Because mm. it goes to a very dark spot place where Taken wouldn't even bother go or wouldn't dare go to. Okay. Because I mean, I, I remember some of the criticism at the time is how graphic the violence is. Well, I would say, uh, considering I've read a fair amount of stories about, or news stories about cartel violence down in mm-hmm. Mexico, and uh, Last Blood's tame in that regard. Really? Yeah, that the stuff the cartels actually do is really fucked up. Wow. And the human trafficking stuff is like, yeah, that's that's something they actually do. Yeah. Yeah. And right? sex trafficking uh, as well. At- Absolutely, and that's that's uh, that's something I know a thing or two about as well. And it's uh, yeah, it's bad stuff. So it would be, it, I would say, it would make you squeamish just because of your involvement in that in that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just because of like, oh, this is getting way too real. Uh huh. And and that's I, I'm glad you brought that up because that that was um, that was something I was kind of afraid of because it's like you know some of the things that I've talked about in some of the work I've done in that in that community is like you know it's like we always point to taken. As kind of like that that fictionalized depiction of you know human trafficking, sex trafficking, but, but and in Taken, the girl gets saved, nothing bad happens to her. Whereas in Rambo, bad stuff happens to her. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, so it definitely has more of a uh, you know gritty realism uh, to it. Um, so Rambo colon Last Blood uh, recommend from you? Yeah, if huh? you're a Rambo fan, definitely. You should you should have checked it out if you haven't already. Yeah, because I and if you're a general action fan, yeah, I'd say give, give it a watch. 
Very good because I mean, like one one of the things that um, that you you mentioned earlier is that you know it's kind of like a we're we're seeing kind of a a resurgence of you know for uh, bluntness and keeping the conversation moving. You know, kind of like trashy action movies. You know, like like we saw in the eighties. You know, um, a, a good example of that to an extent is the John Wick movies. You know, those uh, are those are. It's it's a stylized action violence, but I wouldn't say it's eighties style. Like it's no, it's way more. Mo- it's way too modern with like shaky cam and all the and the, and aiming down the sights. Yeah, you're not wrong. I I, I guess I'm fumbling around in the in the dark for, well, I, I for do, that analogy. But because, I do get it, like the over the top nature of it. Yeah, in in a way that we didn't really see in the nineties as much. Well, and. Late '90s, not so much. Early '90s, you still had uh, the '80s bleeding over. True, that's true. And and you know the the 2000s, I would say, were kind of the age of the PG-13 movies. Yeah, you know, I mean, where you've got like more than a couple diehard movies I mean, that are and clocking a, in and PG-13. A PG-13 Aliens versus Predator. That, exactly. What the fuck? Exactly. So so with the success of uh, the John Wick franchise. And Logan and Deadpool and Joker, you know, as we've seen it, it's a, it's a different animal. That's not an action movie. But it's still a, ra- a rated R, a hard R. Well, I don't even know if I'd say Joker's a hard R. Um, you know, I I I I, I would say so only because of the uh, language. Um, okay. You know, because like, yeah, I mean, th- there's there's a lot of people getting what they fucking deserve <laughs> a lot in that. But um, but so as as we kind of transition into talking about Joker a little bit, um, um, I I want to I want to um, I, I go back to let let's wind the clocks back to over a year ago when like this project is first announced, um, and I I. For myself, I I remember being very unenthused, borderline disinterested. I didn't know anybody that was excited for this. Yeah, and and the consensus was why, you know, and this was right around right around the time that that Venom movie was out that ended up making like you know um, a whole bunch of money for. I for Sony. seen that one on TV. I had a lot more fun with that than I had with the more recent Marvel movies. It is it, it's fun in its way. Um, I, I don't dislike it and, but, but it's interesting and there's going to be some goofy parallels here because, um, my hot take at the time was I need a, a Joker origin movie about as much as I need a Venom movie. You know, I don't need a Joker movie without Batman about as much as I need a Venom movie without Spider-Man for my taste. I feel that those when you start separating those characters, it, it, there there's the potential to um, not really know what the point is, and I feel that Venom kind of has a bit of that because it it's it's fun and it's a fun anti-hero uh, type of movie, you know, not unlike say like you know uh, I don't know Spawn or Deadpool or something like that where you know we're having fun with it. Though I I do wish they had swung a little harder and made it R instead of PG thirteen because it it has the stench of uh, pulling back for the sake of a PG thirteen. You could tell it was an R rated script that they toned down and 
Um, and, and I can understand where Sony was coming from at that time because they're, you know, it, it was untested. You know, they're, they're kind of getting into um, uncharted territory. You know, uh, there was a couple examples of R-rated uh, comic book properties working, but, you know, they, they were But those were all established. Or, well, not Deadpool, but... Right. Um, so, yeah, so and, and that and that kind of brings us to Joker a little bit in that, uh, again, it was something that, as you said, nobody was looking forward to. Nobody understood um, why it was a thing that was going to be a thing, because, I mean, even um, I think at one point there was even still like two parallel Joker projects. Uh, yeah, this is a tandem. time where nobody knew what DC was doing. Like were they go- were they still keeping to the cinematic universe model that they were trying to start, or are they doing standalone movies? Yeah, and and nobody knew, and nobody cared, and but um, so the uh, let me see if I remember the timeline. You know, like trailers started coming out. That's when I started getting interest- interesting when the first trailer dropped. So when, because um, I mean, again, it's it's been a while now. When did kind of the moral outrage start? Because September. Okay, very good. It, because it was like v- very close to uh, release date. Because I remember because uh, when the movie premiered at the uh, what is it, the Venice Film Festival, it was well received. It even uh, won their the top award. Yeah, the Golden Lion. Yeah. So it was at, when that when it won the award, the review consensus was. This is a really good movie. Holy shit! You guys got to see it when it comes out. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, I don't know who started it. And I, I want to say it started on tw- uh, woke Twitter, but it eventually it became this whole uh, concern over the notorious incel gang. Yes. And, yes. And beca- and trying to draw parallels to uh, the Aurora shooter, even though when you actually do some research, the Aurora shooter was not inspired by the Joker at all. Right. So is or that that false narrative uh uh came back up that somebody's going to get inspired by the Joker mm-hmm. to shoot up a movie theater. This movie's catering to the incel crowd and it just right. it just snowballed. Yeah, so and and I get the feeling that that the majority of the conversation here is going to be about kind of like you know what what people think this movie is versus what it actually well, is. Well, this is a, and this is definitely a movie where you can have a certain interpretation, and it it might not be wrong, right? Because I've 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 seen uh well since we brought it up yeah. uh, some speculation that Joker in this movie isn't Joker. This is all an hallucination or a, a delusion, I should say. Sure. And and there's evidence to support that because the mm. Joker is the the narrator of this movie and he's an unreliable narrator. Exactly, exactly. Um. So before we get before we get too much further, because like there, there there's a couple other surrounding points um I want to bring up, but but hot take. What'd you think of the movie? I was very surprised with this movie. I I, I think this is my movie of the year. Really. Wow. Yeah, there, there's just, okay. As much as I loved King of the Monsters, there's just no denying that I can't, I'd be hard pressed to deny that this movie was really good. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so I um I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I'm 
glad I watched it, you know, in terms of like, you know, being part of, quote unquote, the conversation or, you know, being informed or because I I don't want to be that guy that just kind of like, you know, lashes out at something without having at least some kind of informed opinion. If I'm going to comment on, you know, the Joker movie, I have to at least see it. And and again, I'm in the bag for all this comic book nonsense. But um so so from that angle, I'm glad I watched it, but I'm not going to watch it again. And I don't know if I especially enjoyed it. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean that I dislike it. I think I think it's a different thing because, I mean, th- this is a, you know, it, it's it's an emotional piece deliberately. Yeah. But I will say just as, you know, uh, just as as my hottest take criticism is this movie is not nearly as smart as it thinks it is. Todd Phillips is not nearly as smart as he thinks he is. Okay. Um, so from that, I, I feel that it's a, a spectacular showcase for a actor that is due for awards recognition. I think, I think, uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix did a, you know, he he embodies this character in pretty much every way possible. Um, and the camera never leaves him. The camera is never not on him. So this is very much top to bottom his movie. And yeah, this is totally a character study. It, it really is. It really is. I mean, it's less a quote unquote comic book movie and more, as you said, a a character study. And from that perspective i think it's really quite good in terms of like an actor showcase but there is nothing else here uh, other, other than the performance just in my opinion and you know we can uh you know we we can uh right. um, kind of kind of get into that a bit but but yeah so i mean that, that that's just my hottest take is that you know i i think Joaquin Phoenix is stellar he deserves the, the nominations that are going to be coming his way. I don't know if he deserves a win, though. Because um, if... Uh, oh, oh, this is embarrassing. I'm forgetting his name. He played the Joker in Dark Knight. Heath Ledger. If Heath Ledger can get an award for playing the Joker, there's no reason Phoenix shouldn't get an award for this performance. Yeah, I... Uh, okay. Um, I, 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 I do I honestly, feel it... I honestly think this is a better Joker. Sure. Well, and and the difference is is that that's a supporting role. Uh, let's not forget that Heath Ledger's posthumous jo- uh, um, Oscar is for. But he su- did he did s- steal that show. Yeah, exactly. That that was. It might as well have been a Joker movie. Like it. He stole the the, the show there. Yeah, and and a lot of folks will say that the Dark Knight is more the Joker's movie than it is Batman's. The the problem with that, and, and, and this is just why I say it's, it's apples and oranges, is because Joaquin Phoenix is on the screen the entirety of the time. There are entire swaths of The Dark Knight where the Joker's nowhere to be found. All right. So I don't know if that point is is more to your point of that you know if Heath Ledger gets it then then Joaquin gets it I guess I well, I also want to say the Oscars was I think it was a couple of years ago a movie about a woman fucking a fish got best picture 
well, you know, and and <laughs> and on. to that, you know, realistically, what kind of credibility do these awards really have anyway? So, I mean, I I don't I don't want to put too much stock in that. It's th- it's just it's just this movie deserves the recognition it should it should be getting exactly and 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 i i believe especially based on the strength of that performance i agree with that i mean a movie like this doesn't almost make a billion dollars by being uh, mediocre right and so maybe that's something that we can unpack because i mean obviously the 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 news and one of the things that kind of brings us uh brings us kind of back up to what uh what we're talking about um so uh so far has a worldwide gross of 984 million dollars it became the seventh highest grossing movie of 2019 i don't know what the other six are i don't have that in front of me and it's it is it has been for a while now but it is officially the highest grossing r-rated film of all time passing by the matrix logan deadpool you know what whatever other classic it beat arc- jesus it beat jesus christ oh or yeah pa- passion, of passion, the christ. passion of the christ yeah that's- but also it's the most profitable comic book movie ever exactly and i had um I, it, it's also it's on track to surpassing jurassic park as the cheapest movie to make a billion dollars interesting um, I I don't have it in front of me, but because I, I saw your post about that. But um, how much did Jurassic Park cost to make then? Uh, I'm gonna have to pull it up real quick. Sure, sure. No, that's fine. I was I, I was just curious because like the the budget for Joker was between fifty five and seventy million, um, and. And and again with that that box office return of nine hundred and eighty five million. So again, it's probably by the time this episode drops, it probably will have crossed a billion. Um, well, this is also going to be like ninety ninety two money. So got to remember keep sure. that in mind. Uh, budget uh, sixty three million. Wow. So all and, that with sixty three million dollars in nineteen ninety uh, two three yeah, or whatever yeah. the production was done. Yeah, see, and, but even then, I mean, I, I guess I would have to pull up uh, some comparables, but that still seems low comparatively because I was going to say even like blockbusters of the day probably still cost upwards to $100 million to produce. Um, eh, maybe not. I, that, that, that's a whole other legislation I, I can't get bogged in because I don't have the information in front of me. But, uh, but the point being is that um, there is something about this movie that makes it popular and profitable and a lot of folks are going. Um, why do you think that might be? Um, just because it's a genuinely good movie. It's not like... A, it's also... Uh, it's it's making all this money without uh, China. Yeah, because I, and and I guess that that's a that's a so I've got my stick out and I'm kind of kind of jabbing um, a little bit because um, there there were some things kind of uh, going for this movie and kind of going against this movie and it seems like um, folks like um, well I mean like not folks like but I mean so from some of the posts that I've seen from you uh, your um, excited to see that this movie has persevered 
Um, yeah, this is a movie that had a smear campaign going against thank it. Thank you. That, that that was the term I was looking for, but I was like, I just I, I couldn't mean, card, I mean, conjure all, it. all this talk of incel violence, somebody's going to get shot opening yeah. weekend. The worst that happened was some guy got kicked out of theater because he was being drunk and belligerent. Talk to anybody that works in a movie theater. That's a regular occurrence. Uh, and then when that failed, mm-hmm. they tried to point to the song that uh, Joker's dancing to when he's going down the stairs, the Hay song that they used to play at hockey games. Yeah. They tried to pin that as like, oh, they're using this song that a convicted pedophile used. They're making him money. And then the studio that or the record company that owns that song came out and said, no, he has no rights to the, that song. He does not make a dime. So all this talk of uh-huh. how bad this movie's going to be and the uh, access media has been trying to smear it. It's just they've been coming up flat. It'd be funny if it weren't so pathetic. No, what the heck? I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Mark Hamill. <laughs> Best Joker. I mean, you know, we, we we were talking about you know the the comparison a bit between Joaquin Phoenix and and Heath Ledger, but yeah. I mean, I mean, Mark Hamill smokes them all, all of them. Oh, but, no, no doubt, no but, doubt. But that's that's not part of this conversation now. Okay, so so one thing now, uh, I I'm not as well versed in um you know we, we've I, I i need to come up with like a segment jingle for like killing spree explains terminology to mike <laughs> because like a millennial explains to a boomer it, i am not a boomer we are not you sure you sure act like it sometimes. we are not doing okay boomer here on mike cyber okay Radio. boomer i i <laughs> Yeah, whatever, dude. I, I'm the Gen Xer watching the millennials and the boomers take each other out in knife fights. I, I'm that Simpsons meme, but, but um, I, I knew that was gonna get a reaction out of you, and I love it. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Uh, but for for somebody that might not uh, consume the same type of media that you do, and you know the the uh, what is the access media? Because I've heard that term a lot, but I don't well, know what that it, is. It's the you know, like the Hollywood Reporter, uh-huh. websites like that, where they, in order to do their job, they need access to Hollywood. Mm. And uh, I can't remember the dude's name, but he works for Sci-Fi Wire. He outright admitted at one point that these guys, these media guys, they play ball with the studios. So sometimes a movie that's not so great, mm-hmm. they'll give it a good review just to keep that access. Oh, okay. It, it, yeah, it's just it refers to that that style uh, or that particular brand of uh, uh, news media that specializes in Hollywood movies, okay, and stuff like that. That makes a lot of sense because, like, I in in um, we also call them the shill media. Sure, okay, because like in, in certain circles and certain content creators, I hear that kind of like thrown out as like a slur, you know, just like oh, the access media, and I'm just like I don't know what that is, but that that that's a great explanation. I um, I I, I took way too long to uh, set that up. Um, yeah, the, the, they get a lot of hatred from those of us that are part of what what's commonly referred to as the fandom menace because they're the ones that are pushing the. The smear campaign not against uh, fans who are mm-hmm. vo- or who are vocal about the way a lot of these franchises are treated. Like they'll say, like a remember your uh, review of the Last Jedi, yes, and how you didn't like it at all, yes. According to the access media, you're a misogynist, yes. So that that's kind of like where a lot of that uh, hostility comes from from us is that 
these guys were either outright ignoring our criticisms mm-hmm. or willfully blissful of why we are not too pleased with some of these franchises and how the direction they're going. Gotcha. It's it's not that different from Gamergate, to be honest. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and we've we've talked about that in other contexts as well, you know, like uh, uh, with regards to uh, Gamergate and then Comicsgate and now kind of the, the Phantom Menace. Um, so, yeah, it's it's I, I guess in a sense, I, I just want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're kind of illustrating where where that perspective is for right. for lack of a better term just uh just uh, so we know what we're dealing with but but i i remember in the lead up to the release of joker there were it was like cnn got their teeth into it and like i i forget i, I they meant- were trying to say that this is a an allegory for uh trump supporters or whatever it's like yes did you assholes see the damn movie because i saw the movie and the uh the rioters mm-hmm. they're you can make a stronger parallel for uh, Occupy than oh, yeah. you could the MAGA crowd because, uh, say, you want to, well, you could pin uh, or, or Thomas Wayne as uh, Donald Trump. But you, honestly, you could pin him as any Kinda. politician if you wanted to. Yeah, I, I'd go Mitt Romney myself, but that, that's just yeah. that's just. But one, anyway, that's just anyway, talking, where's but, his supporters if yeah. he's supposed to be Donald? Yeah, see, and and that's it's, and it is uh if Joker's supposed to be Donald, then it's like, uh, well. Well, in that regard, it reminds me of the, uh, I can't remember what year it happened. It was uh-huh. it was around the time that this movie takes place in New York where they, they had the uh, subway vigilante. Yeah. that I've I seen that parallel between Joker and that guy. Sure. Or at least the uh, uh, the uh, the people in the city rooting for the guy. Right. Right. So, and and and, the, and there's some parallels with that in, in Joker. So, um but yeah, it was it was very odd because uh, leading up to the release of the movie, there there was all this like front loaded criticism, at, you know, from folks that probably hadn't seen it. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like the incels will be emboldened, and and then even up to the release, it's like, oh, this is just an allegory for for Trump chuds, and it's just and, like, and I don't know how you could tie Joker to uh, incels because Joker's well, the whole thing about incels is it's involuntary celibacy. And Joker's, he's not looking for sex or a relationship. He's just... Right. If, well, all I, he's looking for is like human connection. To, and it's not necessarily through a physical relationship. It's just like, you know, like a father figure or... Sure. Well, and, and for clarification now, because I've used, um, you know, use that shorthand of, you know, using incels as kind of like a a particular group of... I'm like, oh, this is going to piss off the incels, you know, just kind of like an umbrella term that's you know i i i don't know if i need to care about offending incels but it's not it's, well it's not meant to be specifically provocative but it is meant to be a shorthand so I, honestly i going a little off topic here sure. i kind of find incels to be a i don't want to say sympathetic but you, you kind of empathize because society kind of teaches men that being a virgin or male virgin is mm. pathetic. It's undesirable. Uh-huh. You need to conquest women, blah blah blah. And these guys, right. for whether because they're not physically attractive or they're a person, they got a personality that's not attractive. They just mm-hmm. for the life of them can't get a girlfriend. Sure. And it's like we created this, or as a, as a general culture, we created that kind of attitude. Sure. 
and this is just the result of the people who can't make it. Mm-hmm. Well, we live in a society. <laughs> so. well, that, and honestly, that's the message I took from this movie is society creates its own monsters. Yeah. And we should be treating each other better. We shouldn't be yelling at each other just because ideological differences or whatever. I agree. And be a little more civil. Yeah. Uh, well, as as our good buddy Dave uh, often says in his sign out, you know, be good humans. You know, so I mean, there's there is something to be said for that. But I don't know if this movie is saying that, though. I think it is because okay. Joker. It's not like a the comic books where he's pu- he's pushed into Ace Chemicals and he yeah goes crazy from there. It's a guy that who needs therapy, who needs medication, and because. Uh, New York Gotham at that period is degrading and just mm-hmm. getting worse and worse. There's no funding for to help those kind of people or to me- and yeah. mentally unstable, and yeah, it just gets worse and worse for him. And then the those Wall Street guys just jump him, right? So, so in so is is arthur fleck uh joker is he a sympathetic figure then i wouldn't say sympathetic but empathetic like you you understand why but you don't agree with his methods like when he shoots the wall street guys like the first two is like yeah they jumped him they were beating him right but the last dude like he was crawling away he was trying to escape like at that point it's like when he pulled the trigger on them and shot him in the back he's like okay joker went too far there right and that's, you know, that's when he crosses the line. Because, I mean, like, you know, with the first two guys, it's it's arguably self-defense, especially the first guy. Uh, but by the time he gets to that third guy, that that's just straight-up murder. And, yeah. and and a line is crossed, and that, I think, kind of propels him through the narrative of the rest of the movie. For me, I, I one, of, one of my other criticisms of this movie is that I don't really feel like there's a whole lot of plot. There really isn't a whole lot that happens. And the stuff that happens just kind of seems to be ancillary. It's it's like like I, I feel like the the whole um the whole Occupy allegory and the whole Thomas Wayne is is a dick and he's like this white savior guy, um, you know, kind of doing that heel turn there. I, I think like that belongs in a different movie. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a story old time, the haves versus sure. have-nots. Yeah. But it, I really don't know how to respond to that, sure. to be quite honest. But yeah. it's, it's just, I guess it's one of those take it or leave it type yeah. of Yeah, well, and, and, and it does for that plot where the plots kind of intersect a little bit um one of the most joker things that that happens in the movie is you know towards the end at the climax where uh de niro's character murray is is talking to him and and you know talking about like inspiring this clown movement he's like you know i i don't i don't really know anything about that i don't really care anything about that that's that's kind of classic anarchist joker joker doesn't have ideology 
um, other than chaos and anarchy. So to me, that that was like one of the things that like in somebody that's in a comic book movie looking for comic booky things to hang on to. I was like, ah, very good. OK. Um, and, you know, and, and speaking of, you know, since since I'm kind of sort of on this on this topic of comic booky stuff. Um, so obviously this is a, you know, alternate alternative take. You know, it's kind of like an Elseworlds type of thing. That, yeah, that's um, what I was going to ask you. Like, did you? How did you? Do you think this is? Do you buy into the theory that Arthur isn't Joker, or do you think this is just like a kind of like Batman '89, where it's just kind of like it's its own story? Well, it's it's one of those things where if it's not self-contained, it's very problematic because I think one of the things that I like about it is that it's not trying to be a puzzle piece trying to fit into a larger narrative or, God forbid, a cinematic universe. Like, if they try to, like, use this Joker in a different movie, I think that's going to be very Um, hollow and very cash-grabby. I don't disagree, but also, on the flip side, it could build to something bigger, like maybe do a couple more uh, villain-centric movies. Well, it, but that's where, but, it, but within its own contained universe, rather than tying it into uh, the ones that came before, like Wonder Woman or Suicide Squad, blah blah blah. Sure, and oh, actually, and and this is a side tangent. I'll I'll try to come back to the other stuff. Uh, it was very confusing because um, you know, in terms of like audience confusion, because prior within the trailers for Joker, they showed the trailer for the Birds of Prey movie featuring Harley Quinn. And like the first thing she says is like me and the Joker broke up and it's all about, you know, her adventures with these new characters and and That's also kind of why I, I can understand the whole that Arthur isn't the really the Joker uh perspective. Well, but so but that that kind of creates a problem then because like if you have like this Joker origin story that's not a Joker origin well, story, I'm- but is now kind of like a backdoor Batman origin, and I don't like that. I I don't. I, I mean, because I mean, and, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, but my um, I I like this movie as a gritty character study you know i've i've uh, referred to it uh before as uh you know martin scorsese's fight club you know and like it has that scorsese um uh grittiness to it and it's got you know that fight club nihilism that that the kids are into now and I, I think it's fine with that. I think it's when you start hanging the comic booky stuff on it like as soon as Thomas Wayne shows up, I'm like, I don't need any of this. And jumping forward to the end of the movie where you've get you get like the this weird version of the Batman origin. It's just like if if this is this if this is if this world is contained to this one movie, all is fine. But if this guy ends up being uh, the the Joker to Batman. That that creates all kinds of problems because one, Batman is beaten up on a senior citizen. Wasn't well, <laughs> that the problem that Gotham had? Yeah, that, I mean that's the, it's a huge problem with uh, and and again I I that was one of my huge criticisms of that telling of it. Also, it's like wait a minute, 
all of these characters. Like it made sense that that um, uh, soon to be Commissioner Gordon, you know, Captain Gordon, Lieutenant Gordon, whatever, was a younger dude that would age into being old and hanging out with Batman. That checks out, but all of the villain stuff doesn't. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I really like did. Riddler and Penguin are going to be old men. Yeah, I, I, and so yeah, it creates that dynamic where you have you know young fit Bruce Wayne beating the tar out of senior citizens, and that's just not a good look. Um, but to, but I, I, well, I think, well, I think I haven't answered. Well, to be, well, to be oh, fair though, isn't, sorry, doesn't Batman always beat up Joker like just regardless of the age difference? Because I mean, Joker is not like a. A big physical brawler. It's more true. Well, and 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 I think there should be some age difference. Um, it, it just it just feels that way. Um, but but I, but I did want to elaborate on the whole uh, not Joker. Yeah, thing. yeah, and, and I was gonna say like let's loop back around to that the, because the, I didn't the, really the answer. Is, I didn't really answer your question. Well, the but, theory yeah. is that this guy is just having a delusion, and he's kind of putting himself in the the Batman universe to cope with his problems. Oh, really? Well, that's that's kind of like one a possible theory of Well, to me it seems more like trying to fit it in within the Batman stuff, but to me it's like the 89 Batman movie is like it's its own story. It's yeah. it's uh DC dark whatever. Well, and, and they're spin-off comics. And that's the other thing too. It's like um or what um, if comics, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, so so they they've got a couple different ways that they could have gone. Um so in the comics you have the Elseworlds line of titles where that's where you get stuff like Superman Red Sun where basically uh, instead of crash landing in Kansas, he uh crash lands in Moscow and is raised as communist Superman. Um and you get all kinds of like other wacky alternate takes, like you know, uh, Batman is Sherlock Holmes in Victorian England, or so, you know that that kind of thing, where you just do this this wacky stuff. But, so, uh, but they also have recently launched a line, a subline of published comics called DC Black Label, which is basically it's. It's still kind of alternate takes, but this is where ooh, we can put in like you know some some violence and some swearing and occasional. What if Batman went back to killing people like he did when he debuted back in the '30s, where he's just shooting fuckers? <laughs> um, but, because, uh, because he was a shadow knockoff, right? <laughs> and that's all it was. Is yeah, I mean, it, anyway, that, that that's, that's just all. just a quick dig. But but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, because like the whole no killing thing that that didn't pop up until like maybe like the '70s or something like that. I don't I I don't know the exact history of it but um i think i would have been um i don't know maybe maybe i'm just a a sucker for labels or something like if if it in like the final titles or something where they call it like dc black label or actually i'd i just i'd have just gone with because that's that's what todd phillips keeps calling it he keeps referring to it as black label um, I think he's the only one, though, that knows that that's a thing. Um, my point being is, like, I feel like it needs something to say because audiences are notoriously stupid. Oh, you mean when, like, when they do the opening credits and they have all the production logos? Yeah, which, incidentally, uh, artistic choice is, you know, we're doing, like, the classic 70s Warner logo and there's no other indica after that. It just it just goes straight into the movie, which so you can't 
artistically, that wouldn't work if you do the classic Warner label and then you go and bring up something that says DC Black Label. I but, get but that. But assuming it, they use the regular Warner Brothers Warner Brothers logo. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean just just to differentiate it. Right. And I'm I'm belaboring the point way too much, but I just I feel like that. Well, and and again, sometimes art can be subjective, uh, and and it could be up to interpretation. That, that's, I kind of like the way they did. They ended up doing it because it 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 creates a it makes you think about the movie. Like, is this supposed to be fitting in some new story or is it standalone? It, it open. It, there's just but it see, creates it creates a discussion of uh, interpretation, whereas it's just one and done. And it's like you see it and then you forget about it. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Um, but one of the uh, criticisms I said earlier right. is that the movie isn't as smart as it thinks and or that it wants to or or however you want to read that because i feel like a lot of like the subjective interpretation stuff is just kind of symptomatic of there not being a whole lot of uh meat on the bone story wise you know w- without without Joaquin Phoenix's performance there is no movie there's nothing compelling here. If you put any other actor that's not committing to the role in the same way, I I don't I don't think well I don't think it's compelling. In uh, terms, could, of, could you make that same criticism of Taxi Driver? Yes, I mean that's a care. Yes, I, I, I think it's just with these movies being character studies, uh-huh. it is about the character. So of course, if you remove the character, you, you don't have a movie. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I and and you brought up Taxi Driver. This uh, this movie wants to be Taxi Driver so bad. Well, what's wrong with being inspired by another movie? Because I mean, Indiana Jones is clearly inspired by sure adventure uh, serials. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and it, it, it's it's a tightrope walk, right, between what's inspiration and homage and outright ripoff. I don't think it trips into ripoff. Um, I. I like, you know, one of the things that I liked very much about this movie is how it looks. You know, we're, you know, we're in Scorsese's New York and we're just calling it Gotham City in 1981. I, I love how filthy it is and that there's, you know, there's garbage in the streets. It's, it's, and, not, it's not like Nolan's later Dark Knight trilogy where New York, it, Gotham was clean. Yeah, super clean and... um. Yeah, no, I, I, I really, I really like the look of this movie. I mean, the cinematography is great, um, set design, production design, and I, I think even like in the costume design, there's kind of like a weird, eerie timelessness to it. Also, like you know, you look at like the, um, the the men's suits and like the way some of the people dress, and it's like you know, it's it almost kind of doesn't fit in the 1981 that they're setting it in. It could be even further back kind of, kind of reminding me a little bit kind of, of the uh, Batman animated series where it looks like, you know, there, there's like modern day technology, but like all the cars are super old time. And the TVs and, are black and white. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there's like this weird timelessness to it. That's still kind of old timey. That I kind of liked. I mean, the only reason I know it takes place in 1981 is because the wiki told me. Yeah. Um, and, and I kind of liked that it's not 
thumbtacked into one particular spot. Um, you know, even like, you know, we talked about the old Warner logo, um, you know, even talking about the the end credits where, you know, it was very like, you know, stylized like an old type of thing. I loved all of that. I, uh, I thought that that was a really cool style choice. Yeah. And we're also another example is uh, Maury's TV show. Yeah. Just the set alone is looks like this looks like uh, a Johnny Carson era mm-hmm. late night show rather than modern uh, late night shows. Yeah. And the um, I, I, I don't remember where we were uh, uh, topic wise, but the the thing the thing that struck me about this movie is, as as I said, I I'm glad I watched it. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy it. But the thing that, you know, I, I, one of my weird uh, colloquialisms I, I've, I've landed on recently is talking about the principle of, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, kind of like, is it worth it to get there? Because there, there were oftentimes, this is a long movie, and there were times where I was getting a little fidgety. There were other times where I was um, just totally wrapped, you know, just totally enraptured in Joaquin Phoenix's performance so i found myself engaged in the movie the whole time like i didn't okay. even realize it was or it didn't feel like it was that long to me whereas uh once upon a time in hollywood that felt long oh yeah by the time you get to the end of that you're like but oh. also it also didn't help that i drank a soda and i had to piss really bad <laughs> towards the end of the movie oh, we've all forgotten our end game conditioning um yeah that's a long movie but but yeah no i but but, but where where i'm going with that is that when you get to the end of the movie and it finally pays off, it feels like it was worth it. Because when um, when he comes out of the apartment, you know, he's, he's you know, killed off the one guy. And, the you snitch. Know, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, he comes down the stairs and he's, he's, he's fully actualized and realized as the he, Joker. And it's like, go ahead. I was going to say, that that's, seems like his descent into hell. Oh, very much so. I mean, it, and it's not unsubtle. <laughs> um, whereas, whereas when he's walking up the stairs, it's like he's going against the grind of every day-to-day life. Yep. And yeah. He's just embraced the craziness of Gotham. Yeah, and he, you know, he he gives himself over to it. But um, from that point forward, and up to the end of the movie, it's like it 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 all clicks. That this is what this was building building towards, and I feel like the payoff was satisfactory for having to kind of slog through two and a half hours. Um, yeah, it's so the other thing I wanted to mention before, uh, uh, cause I, I know we're kind of going all over the road, but, um, one of the things that I had mentioned earlier was the, the, the comic bookiness of it. Like, I mean, I, I would be lying if I didn't, snicker to myself a little bit when young Bruce Wayne comes down from his uh, backyard fort and goes down a pole <laughs> slides down a pole there um, kind of the, the bat pole if uh, if you wanted to interpret it that way but like I said I, I feel like the, the, the movie is at its weakest when it's kind of trying to smush in the, the comic book stuff I feel that this character so it, go ahead. So would you think this is a movie that Phillips had in mind, but in order to sell it, he had to put the Joker name on it? I think so. Hmm. I, 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 
I, I don't know if I, if I go full conspiracy theory on that, but I think there's something to be said for that. Todd Phillips has been trying to get out of movie jail for a while now. And, uh, you know, and, and the... Well, considering the money's making, I think he succeeded. Yeah, exactly. And the financial results don't lie. But, um, you know, when, one of the other criticisms, kind of, well, not, not criticisms, but one of the other weird stories that was storylines that was floating around prior to the release of this movie is Todd Phillips comes out and says, yeah, um, nobody can make comedies anymore because of uh, woke culture. Well, he's and, not exactly wrong. I mean, did you see the reaction to yeah. Dave Chappelle's latest stand-up? Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of proof that, or it gives credence to his what he was trying to say. I I don't think that he's specifically mistaken, but I think though that in in the way that the access media or no i think i'm using that incorrectly now um the the folks that thought this was going to embolden the quote-unquote incel crowd or the trump chuds or whatever whatever the hell uh those folks want to call those folks i think todd phillips himself is kind of emboldened like say well you know i can't make comedy anymore so i'm gonna make this oh by the way i'm totally right i I mean, th- this might be controversial or whatever, but I think Todd Phillips is kind of a hack. Um, I, again, I I don't I don't think this movie is especially smart. I don't think it's saying anything pati- in particular. Um, now I I'm I'm not gonna be uh you know uh Crowder in my mug and my in my table saying change my mind, but I I I get the sense. That you feel very differently about that. Yeah, I do so, feel different. I, I I won't say this is uh, on the level of like 2001 A Space Odyssey where okay. it requires some deep thinking to understand it. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely, yeah, it's it's not as dumb as you're, I don't want to say dumb, but uh, it's not as not smart as you're making it out to be. Okay. Like I've... Uh, It's smart enough, I would say, like that. Okay. Smart enough to be similar to a Scorsese flick. Okay, but maybe not smart enough to be higher or level than that. Fair enough. Okay, I appreciate that, and I, 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 I I'm not meaning to uh, push back and antagonize, but but let me ask you this. What is this movie trying to say? Because I think at this the, point that society creates its own monsters. I think okay. I think that is the message of the movie. It's it's not like it's not like those disposable popcorn flicks that we've been getting for so many years now. Okay. Huh? I mean that I mean that's that's succinct because I I think I and I think that's what kind of my my issue was is I was kind of trying to chase what it's trying to say it's like are we trying to say something about mental illness are we trying to say something about how society treats the underclass is it trying to say something about um you know uh the the rich and the one percent is it trying to make uh, occupy allegory it feels like it's it's trying to do all of that and none of that um Mm. And 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 that that was just my particular read. It's like because I think I think because there was so much hype on this movie just prior to it coming out, and 
especially with me seeing it way late, because I think that perspective is uh, perhaps important to my viewpoint because I saw it like a month after everyone else did. So I'm kind of coming into it almost with a chip on my shoulder saying like, all right, what is it about this movie that that people keep breaking the financial records and making it so... You had expectations. Well, see, and... I mean, to uh, to put too fine a point on it, yes, but I don't know what those expectations were because I, you know, I, well, I, get, I, I mean, you had expectations to see what the big deal was and you're, sounds like you're not getting yes. the big deal. Yes, that, that's, that's a, um, yeah, that, that's the most accurate uh, way that I could put that. Thank you for helping me find that because yeah, that, that's, that, that's really what it was. It's like, I was, I was thinking that since there's something here that resonates so much that I would be able to find it. And I think in looking for it, I may have missed what was just right there in front of me because I, I, I really like your, your... I think part of it is also, uh, this is at least the style of the movie. It feels like a breath of fresh air because all the disposable popcorn flicks where you just, you click your brain, brain off for a couple hours and just watch shit hits the fan sure yeah and and it and it kind of reminds me in a, in a way of kind of like this this weird um you know so it started with scorsese you know uh saying that you know marvel movies aren't cinema they're more like theme parks he, which incidentally no go, sorry go ahead. he's not totally wrong no i agree with him and 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 it's funny the the weird backlash on that well my thing is when i think of cinema i think of the more literal definition of theaters that specify or specialize in showing movies and also the industry of making movies. Yes. So technically, by that definition, no movie is cinema because... Not anymore. Well, I mean, any movie because they're just movies, whereas cinema to to me is is the showing and making of a movie. Fair enough. But but no, I get his part or is that where he's coming from where it's kind of more artistic-ish or whatever, whereas... Or it's trying to say something... Yeah, but then, but then, then you have like the the folks that have come up afterwards, like the, oh, the Godfather director. Yeah, like I that is needlessly polarizing. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola, director of The Godfather and also Godfather Three, comes out and agrees with Scorsese and says, "Well, no, he didn't. He his statement wasn't provocative enough. Those movies are despicable." And I, and, and that's to be fair, I do understand where he's coming from in the in the sense that Hollywood isn't what it used to be with as far as like quality thought provoking movies that stand the test of time. Now it's focused on the theme park stuff. Yeah. And see, again, I, I feel Scorsese is right because those movies are like a theme park experience. Um, but I feel that, that um, Coppola is wrong because he's being, dismissive of yeah, you know I, an, an entire yeah, arm of i mean just yeah on the flip side his wording was very poor exactly exactly and 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 then there's you know what he, here's a so you know we were having some fun earlier but I, the, I do want to say bob auger bob Iger trying to defend it's like yeah dude, shut the fuck up or he's comparing black panther to the stuff that they made no black panther is not on the level of godfather goodfellas casino godfather 2 pick a movie well yeah I mean, come on true be but, honest with yourself bobby 
But that doesn't also mean that those movies aren't without merit. No, they're not. I, I mean, not, yeah, they're not, I, they're not. It's just trying to compare them. It's like, come on, dude. Yes. You're trying to compare oh. chick, McDonald's chicken nuggets to a steak. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and, and I, I agree 100% with that that analogy, but it's something occurred to me as we were talking here. Um, but th- this feels like ground zero for OK Boomer because, I mean, you look well, are at they, it. You, are, they, are those two boomers? Scorsese and uh, what's his face? I, I keep know. forgetting how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I, I keep, it's, I, it, well, it's. Yeah, it's either Coppola, Coppola, what Francis Ford Coppola. But yeah, are are, are those Coppola? guys? I don't know. Are those guys actually boomers or? I don't even know anymore. I I know they're super old. <laughs> they're they're super old, uh, older than us. I well, don't, I no don't... offense, but Gen Xers are getting super old. That's true. That's true. And it's yeah. I mean. We're still not doing okay, Boomer here. Come on, man. Uh, but yeah, it is weird. I was thinking about well, this. Well, give it time. It'll be okay, Gen Xer. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to turn on us. But for now, I'm just here for the tea and for the memes. <laughs> I'll, watch, I'll watch these knuckleheads tear each other apart all, uh, all ding-dong day. But um, So I, I know we have um, some other stuff that that we want to talk about and a whole nother movie we want to uh get to um but i i guess i i want to i want to um i want to talk about the end of of joker um and i, I want to talk about a couple other things with with regards to joker also like um i one of the criticisms i heard is that it's oh it's so violent <laughs> and and it's interesting and and I and I and I shit you not this is going to get you to laugh even harder I you know I heard from one uh movie critic talking about the graphic violence in Rambo Last Blood okay and then a couple weeks later talking about uh the violence in Joker using some of the same vocabulary in terms of like oh it's disgusting and all of that <laughs> other stuff so I so maybe I kind of went in with some of that expectation also. I, now that you say that, but um, uh, but what, one of the things I did want to I'm just oh, laughing ahead, so hard because I'm a huge horror dude. Oh yeah, and I'm just thinking like Cannibal Holocaust, where yeah. actual animals were killed in that movie. Uh huh. And it's just like that's violent. Joker, I'm, I'm the the most you can say is that it's gritty. Yes, or re- or realistic. Yes, and it's, but it's not gory. It's not. No. It's not particularly violent either. Like the most violent thing was Morgan getting shot. Right, and well, and it and one of the things I appreciated about it is that the violence is depicted very realistically, um, or at least in terms of like impact. So, like on the subway. When that first dude gets shot, basically, like he splatters all over the back of that of the of the subway car. Yeah, because a gun at that range will do that. <laughs> exactly, and and that's and we haven't really seen a lot of that in these sanitized PG thirteen movies. Usually, or some, even the John Wick movies, like the, even exactly. them, they're it, really stylized in their use of guns or how guns work. Yes, yeah. And, I, mean, and I hate it, to break it to everybody, but silencer or suppressors aren't silencers. No, no. And and then you've got trade offs with accuracy and things like that. I mean that that's a whole other thing. But I, I like it, it was it was visceral in, in the way that it's supposed to be. It it, def, it depicted the violence as shocking. Um, 
you know, even to like the sound design and stuff like that. So like, so by the time you get to um, the dude in the apartment and, you know, that that um, that bit of violence with uh, the scissors and all the blood and stuff, it's you know, it's 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 intense from an emotional standpoint. Um and but yeah, it's hardly visually intense. No, no, not at all. And, and that, and that's. But I think that's. So, you know, not a, not. I'm thinking about. It, you know what this kind of reminds me of your, what you brought this interpretation yeah. of being super violent. Yeah, it's like the interpretation of the Texas, the original Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre being super violent. Yes. Even though in reality there was hardly any on-screen blood, and you never saw the chainsaw cut into anybody. Correct. Or even when Leatherface struck the dude with a hammer, you didn't. You mm-hmm. barely saw the end result of that. Yeah, and and I think that this is in a very similar category that, like, you know, even to the point where folks remember it incorrectly. Like you said, you know, about Texas Chainsaw, a lot of folks remember that or perceive it as being hyper-violent. And I think, like, uh, folks kind of have that same perception about Joker, where it's like, again, I appreciated the, the, the realism. Um, cause even, yeah, it's, it's, I still have to laugh. The, it's disgusting. It's like <laughs> Rambo last blood was disgusting, but yeah. in a way that supports that type, that st- that type of movie. Well, and, 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 and continuing with that, it's like, yeah, I am just remembering this, this, uh, 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 criticism that I heard. And it was like, yeah. And you know, like there's, there's guns and knives and scissors. And it's like, no, there's, there's. Guns and says, there's no knives. I don't think there's any instances of knife violence in. Uh, anyway, but it was just. But again, it's it's that perception thing, and and this this movie has a very weird, um, I I don't know vibe to it or, or perception, uh, to it a a a mystique I guess uh, reputation maybe, um, but I um I I wanted to talk about the end because again the. The ending is what you're there for, and that's really like a huge... Him becoming the Joker. Yeah, it's a it's a huge payoff, and um, it's interesting. So being being a fan of the comics, um, there is so so this story kind of pulls a couple inspiration points, but nothing specifically adapted. It's mostly whole cloth. Yeah. Maybe given credence to that conspiracy theory we were talking about earlier, like well, maybe well, since this... we're on the ending, we could bring up a supporting evidence of that. Oh, very good. Um, but but the thing I wanted to say was like so, um, kind of like at it at its base inspiration, uh, uh, the Killing Joke. You know, kind of that that what a lot of folks point to is kind of the definitive uh, Joker origin. If he know. has an origin, and, that, and that's but, wasn't it from Killing Joke where Joker's like, I don't know my origin, but but I if I had an origin, I wanted to be multiple choice. Is that from Killing Joke or is that something else? That's um I want to say that's uh Batman the animated series. Either way, it's but but still it, it, yeah um but one one of the other one of the other things that um this kind of sort of draws inspiration from and it's kind of a way to uh subvert expectations of the fandom a little bit is in uh Batman the Dark Knight Returns. Um, there's a famous sequence in it where Joker goes on to uh, what is essentially the the David Letterman show. Yeah, I've seen the animated version of it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So so you know that sequence, and basically, 
when I first saw the first trailer and you see the curtain there, my imagination was like he was going to come out and say, okay, well, you know, I'm here and I am going to kill every one of you. Now, in Dark Knight Returns, it's poison gas and all that other stuff. But I like that they kind of took that. This is an example of successfully subverting fan expectations, because I think fans of that that sequence from that story were expecting like poison gas or some kind of like elaborate comic booky scheme. But really, all it is is homeboy just whips out a handgun and and also it leads up. You think he's going to kill himself because that that I hope my death makes more sense in my life yeah that joke keeps reoccurring and he's practicing what he's gonna do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. exactly and again i i thought that was um i wildly appropriate for for you the know, movie you know, I, I i'm disappointed in myself yeah i had the audio of that oh really <laughs> i just forgot to bring it oh that's funny um but yeah, no, sorry. There, there was there was something else you wanted to uh, supporting the idea or the possibility that this is all in Arthur's head. Okay, is uh throughout the movie, Arthur is in every scene. Like he's there for everything, except yes. in Crime Alley when the Waynes get shot. He's not there. There's no way he could have seen that happen. Yeah, it, you know what? And and unfortunately, that, that I I hated that scene. I, I hate that sequence. I hate that it's there. Um, and, and I hate it for a variety of reasons. One, because I I am just so sick and tired of poor Martha's pearls getting spilled all the goddamn time. She has other jewelry, you know. But um, well, it, well, at least they put it back together for Batwoman. <laughs> yeah, have you seen that show yet? No. I've seen two no. episodes. It's like, oh yeah, this. It's just bad. It's just plain old bad. Okay, yeah, I mean it, that it it, it it makes Justice League look like the Dark Knight. Oh no, that had to stink of death on it. Um, yeah, I I I haven't watched any of that. I I will watch the episode in the upcoming Crisis crossover because I I'm all in for all that nonsense. They 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 threw enough member berries at me to where I'm like, ah, fine, fuck it, I'll watch it. I I don't care. It's fine. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, but I just I I rolled my eyes when I saw that and. To me, and one, it's shoehorned in. Two, the circumstances don't make sense to me. Why would the Waynes go to, like, the porno district to watch Zorro the Gay Blade? That just, I mean... I mean, it's like, in fact, if you look on the marquee, there's like like a fucking porno theater like like right next to it. It may have even been the same theater. I couldn't really tell, but it, it felt very disingenuous to me. And I just, I again, I don't think it belongs. Because now... I, I think it kind of does just in the whole... I, the, the idea that these, these people are uh, so fascinated with the joker or what he did yeah and now and it inspired all this chaos so it seems logical that somebody is going to take the you get what you fucking deserve line yeah to its logical conclusion that wayne the guy who's been a total uh unsympathetic asshole towards the problems that a lower class gotham is dealing with yeah that somebody's going to take it too far yeah i mean i 
that in principle makes sense, but the circumstances of him being there, it's like, oh, there's a riot on, let's go to the movies. That that makes no sense. I guess you could interpret it. Well, you could excuse maybe like they were at the theater, then the riots started. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, and 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 that's the key thing: interpretation. You know, it's like you you can make it fit whatever you want. I mean, it's a movie; it's a story. I mean, it it could do whatever. But I I, I guess I'm just saying that as my kind of rant because again, I I feel like the movie is is at at its weakest when it's time to when it's trying to cram in comic book stuff. Okay. Um, that's just me. Um, but I, it, it's, you know, the more that we're talking, I, I'm, I'm kind of ruminating on this, on this whole, um, uh, Joker or, or Arthur Fleck inserting himself into the Batman mythos through his, uh, through his delusion. And I think, I don't think I like that any more than, than, well, well, than I'm, what I'm, we ended up getting. Well, I'm of the mindset that me. it's like. Yeah, I've mentioned this earlier. I'm of the yeah. mindset. It's just like Batman 89. It's its own story. Yeah. It's it's not trying to be tied to the comics directly. Well, and, and the other thing, too, yeah, because I, I like... I mean, assuming uh, Phillips doesn't come out and say, oh, this is what I intended. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I hope he doesn't say anything about it. I, I kind of like the idea of the mystery of it all. I agree with kinda you. I like the space jockeys and Alien before Prometheus happened. Yeah. Yeah, just, just let it be ambiguous. Or, um, or is Deckard a replicant? That mm-hmm. leave it alone. Just l- let us speculate. There's fun in there. Well, and and that's the thing too. It, it's it's frustrating that in contemporary storytelling, everything needs an origin story, and everything needs uh, some kind of uh, over explanation and backstory. And I just I don't I I don't I don't get it. So well, uh, well like you said, uh, well. I think there's more Hollywood thinking. Audiences are dumber than they really are. Yeah, and you know, and and the thing is, I don't know. Maybe this is this is this might not be the nicest thing. Um, I I don't know that Hollywood's specifically wrong. You know, like uh, I it, I disagree because. Well, I'm going to use the Nightmare Before Christmas as an example. Okay. Disney thought this movie was going to be way too scary for little kids, so they released it under the Touchstone banner. They didn't want it to be part of Disney, under the Disney logo. When it came out, it was a total hit with kids. I I remember seeing it in 93. Mm -hmm. I I love that movie. Mm -hmm. And and now, it's under the Disney logo. Any, every release since then, it's not Touchstone Presents, it's Disney Presents. Yeah, and all of those characters have been, you know, reincorporated into the Disney canon. Like, you can go every October at Disneyland, they change up uh, the Haunted Mansion to... Be Halloween Town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but but my my point is that I think they over Hollywood overestimates what audiences want and feel. Yeah, but it does it doesn't help that general audiences buy the stuff that Hollywood thinks we want. See, and and I think maybe that's more more accurately the point I'm getting at right. is that you know um, it it's. Um, if you give people the choice of McDonald's, they'll always take the McDonald's. You know, it's like, and and I don't. Uh, maybe it's not a case of either or. Maybe it is a column uh, A, column B. Yeah, I think so. Well, because like the the 
uh, one of the things that I posted with uh, regards to uh, Joker being the the most profitable um, uh, is it what most profitable movie of all time or something like most that? most profitable comic book movie of all comic time. book movie that's what it was because like I I posted something it's like saying like well finally somebody learned the lesson from Logan. And because Logan only costs like $65 million to make. It's a, for a comic book movie, it's a small movie. So I, even though I, I'm not necessarily as hot on this movie as other folks are, as, as you are, I appreciate that it's something that has found its voice and has succeeded. And I hope that it sets a precedent for getting back into mid-budget smaller movies. They that, don't need to be bloated where yeah. the visual effects credits is a wall of text. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of weird. Like, you know, uh, we knew that there wasn't a post-credit scene, but we've been so conditioned that, you know, my wife and I were just kind of like fiddling with our phones and dinking around through the credits. And before we realized, it was over. It was just like, oh, wait, uh, you know, the house lights come up and folks start coming into clean. It's like, oh, because I mean, like the, the credits are very short because, you know, to your point there, there isn't like a whole bunch of effects or, you know, an entire dig- overseas digital Yeah, it's team. all like on set. Yeah, it's all, it's all just kind of there. And I think in the age that we're in now, we've kind of lost the mid budget movie. Where like you go back to like say um, you know again I, I've 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 sucked a lot of Logan Dick here but um, you know look at Logan you look at um, uh, John Wick the first one take a look at John Wick three versus John Wick the first oh yeah and there's no there's no global globe trotting. Exactly. And and um, even Deadpool, the first one, you know, it's like one of the things that folks folks forget is that it has kind of like a unremarkable climax because it was made with a relatively modest budget. But you get into Deadpool 2 and we're spending two hundred million dollars on it. And it's just as elaborate as any other um, of your tentpole uh, comic book Marvel movies. And that misses the point. So I I I would love to see more movies that are like this that that are might even be more experimental. You know, you may, do Superman Red Sun. Make it make it an R-rated movie for like 35 million dollars and just see how it does. You know, I I I'd really like to see that where you know, where there there isn't as much financial risk. To where it's like, oh my god, this movie has to make a billion dollars. I mean, much like the movie we're going to talk about next, you know, I mean, but but that's the thing. It's like, oh my god, this budget is so big, and it has to make so much, and it's just not. So, um, but before before we pivot there, um, uh, final thoughts on on Joker? Uh, If you're going to see it, you've probably seen it already, or maybe even multiple times. Because it's been out for a, over a month. Yeah. So what can I say that hasn't been said? So it's a hard recommend. Yeah, you know? I'm definitely buying it uh, when it comes out on Blu-ray. Got it. Tempted to get the soundtrack, too. Yeah. Yeah, That the, the score is pretty good. Um, the score is pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my... I, I, I guess my final thoughts are pretty much the same thing as my opening thoughts. You know, I'm glad I saw it. 
Um, and I'm glad to have talked about it, discussed it, and thought about it. I do think it's a thought-provoking movie. I, I'm not I'm not going to say that it's not. And I think, again, maybe that's what's playing into the financial successes. You know, folks, you know, it's it's the equivalent of a viral meme. You know, it's like, you know, everybody wants to check it out just to see just to see what's up. Would, would you say that it's the movie of the year in the sense that this is the one that everybody's seen? This is the one that everyone's talking about? Kind of like how Independence Day took over? Um. Well, it's... I, I know it was so long ago, but this was also the year where we had the Endgame. Yeah, but Endgame seemed like it came and went. Yeah, and I think it's because it came out in April. Um, again, that's a, that's a whole nother rant that we've talked about. I think the the summer blockbuster season starts way too early, and and now it's yeah, it's you know it's been so thoroughly picked over and disposed of that it's not even a factor anymore. It's kind of weird to imagine that it came out in the same year as as Joker. Um, I, I I guess to your question, I don't know um, because I would say then. That this movie, just in terms of like the things we were talking about on the front end, like, um, you know, in terms of like the um, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, controversy, um, a lot of folks uh, putting, imprinting their own opinions on what they think this movie is, and then folks interpreting what the movie is to them. Because I think all of those articles that that came out like oh you know uh, you know galvanizing a um, a population or whatever, it's not that movie either, um, and and that was one of my my takes leaving it was it's like well this isn't the movie that that CNN guy wrote about, yeah. um, it, it's it, as much as he wants it to be that movie it just isn't, um, but yeah no I I. I I think since folks are still going to see it and it's still part of using capital letters the conversation, yeah, I I could see that. I could see Joker being the because I mean and and to loop it all the way back around to the beginning, there isn't going to be any awards talk with regards to Avengers Endgame outside of the technical categories. You know, it's like I, I think I saw something where there where uh, uh, Disney is going to uh, oh. do do a campaign. For- no, they, they put out their list of no- uh, suggestions for nominees and Brie Larson for best supporting actress is one of them, even though she's not she's not even a supporting she, she, character. She's barely in that movie. Uh, like the best thing she did in there was get bitch slapped by Thanos. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah. And, and whereas whereas this is a movie that will continue to be talked about. And I think that. For a comic book to be taken seriously, in fact, actually, there, there there are two parallels here because you look at Avengers Endgame and you look at Joker. Joker is a movie that's being quote unquote taken seriously as I don't feel this way, but as a film, whereas Avengers Endgame is a movie, right? And you know, I try not to get bogged in the weeds because that that seems very elitist oh i go out of my way to not use the term film i call them all movies yeah exactly but but there but there are other folks that that aren't as charitable uh with with regards to their opinions that you know this is a film and you know um but anyway i mean so you know a year from now we're probably still going to be talking about 
what Joker is in some kind of capacity, whereas, you know, we will have seen a half dozen other Marvel movies of like what's next and and Endgame will kind of be largely forgotten about um, as, you know, single serve as a as a single serve theme park experience. Um, I like theme park experiences, so therefore I I'm still in the bag for all of these movies and I still, you know, so I, so I don't I don't discount it. But there is something here. And despite my criticism of saying, you know, it's not as smart as it thinks it is. And, you know, uh, Todd Phillips is not the filmmaker he thinks he is and all of that other stuff. I cannot deny that there is something to Joker. So. So, yeah. So I'm not I'm not even though I'm God, that sounds wildly contradictory. I'm like, well, I'm being dismissive of it, but I'm not being dismissive of it. And I can't have it both ways. Um so anyway, that's that's. It sounds like you're saying like you don't care for it, but you understand why people care for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I I get. Uh, I, I it's a very compelling piece of art. Um, and and I've I've never denied that, and I think that's this is the route that you take. Ah, see, I got so wound up in my own uh, point that I forgot the point I was trying to make. <laughs> um, I, I do that a lot. Uh, oh, why, I know, I know. That's why my shows are over two hours. But, uh, but no, it's, this is the path to legitimizing quote-unquote comic book movies. You give an um, actor at the height of their powers free reign to just do their thing and build a movie around them and make it be a character study and a showcase and then you got a chance of taking it seriously because like if you're doing computer generated gleep glops and video game special effects and and you know and cartoon aesthetics and all of that that's not the path to legitimacy. The path legit to legitimacy is taking a movie that you spent $65 million on that the studio kind of undercut in a handful of different ways um, was kind of kind of like a weird underdog in a way and then perseveres and becomes, you know, the, this this supremely profitable movie. I think that's that's the legacy of of Joker. I think. Yeah. You've heard what Mike thinks. Now tell him what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike Cybert Radio. So I thought before I got out of here, I would give you a, uh, a sneak preview of what's coming up in the next handful of episodes. So coming up next week, it's my interview with writer Matt Mayer Lowry. He is the co-creator of Life Formed, a series of sci-fi young adult graphic novels with artist Cassie Anderson. It's the story of 11-year-old Cleo, and in the wake of an alien invasion and the death of her father, Cleo must leave behind the life she knows to fight for the future of the Earth. She's joined by a shape-shifting rebel alien posing as her father. The story follows the unlikely pair as they bond, fight back, and ponder what it means to be human. Now, I met Matt during Jet City Comic Show, um, and I'm really excited to hear more about this story. Uh, both volumes of Life Formed are available now. Volume 1 is Cleo Makes Contact, and the recently released Volume 2, Hearts and Minds, uh, both of those are available wherever you get your graphic novels. Uh, that is going to be in episode 242, dropping on Wednesday, November 20th. Again, 
again, that's next week. And then later on November 27th, Thanksgiving week, oh man, we got a fat turkey for you as my conversation with Killing Spree continues and we're talking about Terminator Dark Fate. You're going to need a tall glass of water for this five-star spice. Uh, That's going to be in episode 243. And then finally, dropping on December 4th, it's episode 244 and I am thrilled to welcome the artist of Transformers Galaxies Constructicons Rising, Livio Ramadelli joins me and we're going to talk about his first creator-owned project through IDW Comics called The Kill Lock. Uh, each found guilty of an irredeemable crime, four robots find themselves banished from their homeworld and are bound together by The Kill Lock, a programming link that means if one of them dies, They all will. And now a soldier, an addict, a murderer, and a child find themselves forced to protect each other while in search of a cure to survive. Uh, The art looks as dark and as moody and as vocative as uh, the best of uh, Levio's Transformers stuff. And I am pumped for this book. He, uh, um, I've said this many times in many places, but, uh, Livio Ramadelli is one of my favorite Transformers artists. So, um, I'm really excited to help support this project. Um, so head out to your local comic book shop now and let them know you want the kill lock. Uh, the pre-order code is in the show notes. I think, uh, is, Uh, They could take orders up until either the 18th or the 25th of November. So you still got some time to uh, call up your comic shop, uh, give them the order code, and let them know that you want uh, the book. Issue 1 ships in December. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Five stars, please. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders. For my guest, Killing Spree, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production. I'm a joker and jog is on you! Yeah!